Look, 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 look. <sighs> Hello and welcome to the False Nines. This is your host, Adam Goffin. Zach Pensack has taken a break from the pod this week. He'll be back next time around. So in his stead, I have asked a good friend of the pod and friend of mine personally, Justin Brayman, to come back and join us for the False Nines today. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you, man? I am doing very, very well. It wasn't too long ago that I saw you live and in the flesh here in Denver. Yes. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago, you were uh, pushing me up a three-mile mountain straight up in the air <laughs> out in Denver, Colorado. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I was, say I was pushing you up there, but I think, I think you pushed me a little bit too. But it was, yeah. uh, it was a challenging little hike, although it wasn't uh, mighty in distance. It was mighty in altitude change, so it was a good day. Uh, Good little test for a Sunday morning after a, a night of drinking the night before. It was, yeah. No, I had a great, um, great visit back to Denver where I spent five years of my time and uh, love to come back. So, but back in the the mitten here for the the pod tonight. So, thanks for All having right. me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, welcome, welcome home to the to the mitten indeed. All right, well, we've got a good podcast for you today, guys. Excited, we've got some really interesting topics. We're closing in on the end of the season. Looking at the league table right now, we basically in the Premier League have a variety of teams that have played 31, some 32, and a handful, including our beloved Newcastle. Justin is a Newcastle fan, of course, uh, on 33 games. So some teams with seven games remaining, some with just five remaining. So that should be pretty fascinating to, to chat through uh, as we go through the pod today. Just a high level of what we're going to cover, though. We're going to start off with EPL trivia, as always. Uh, we'll go through our talking points. We have four great talking points for you. Before we take a break, we'll give you the first clue for EPL trivia. Coming back from the commercial break, we'll be rounding it out with 10 in 90. Apparently, Justin has prepared some great questions for me today. And then we'll wrap up with EPL trivia final clue and the answer to close out the pod and take us home. You ready, Justin? Let's do it. All right. Fantastic. So he has not heard this question yet, but I've promised him a fun one here. Your EPL trivia for the week, Justin. With 202 clean sheets, which goalkeeper has the best record in the Premier League history? So no answers just yet, but this individual, since the inception of the Premier League in 1992, holds the record for clean sheets and has over 200 of them, 202 to be exact. 202 sheets. And this is just Premier League era, right? Not just Premier Division. Correct. Yeah, just, okay. just Premier League era. So since 1992, yeah. obviously, I mean, 38 games in a Premier League season, you got to figure this guy has played his fair share of Premier League games over time. So it's not going to be a trick question at all. But uh, yeah, I, I want you to mull over that. And all right. Look. Yeah. Got a couple, I got maybe three or four. If we get a hint down the road, it'll narrow it down. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a bonus clue. It is not a Newcastle goalkeeper. <laughs> I wouldn't. That's not one of the three or four that I have in my head. So don't worry. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, hopefully, hopefully that helped to narrow it down. Yeah, it was bit. not Shea Given. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Newcastle, let's get into our talking points. We're going to focus here on our beloved Toon Army and start off with some Newcastle updates. So today, phenomenal game. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, it was the last of our three. Uh, run of three home fixtures, home to Crystal Palace. Um, it was a really enjoyable game for the Toon fans, for the Toon Army. Uh, we came out really, really strong. It was a really great first half. Miggy Almiron popped up with a beautiful goal 
in the first half. And Newcastle clung on, dug deep in the second half, that being the only goal of the game to take the three points at St. James's Park. So right now, Newcastle sit in the Premier League with five games left on a total of 40 points. They've hit the magic number, Justin. We've yep, hit 40 points. We are safe. Official, right? <laughs> not, not mathematically safe, as Eddie Howe will tell you, but for, for the most part, 15 points above the relegation places right now, albeit Burnley having a couple games in hand on us. It would be very unlikely at this point, especially in the former end, that we would go down. So sure, sure. the first question I have for you, Justin, is with five games remaining, Newcastle have set themselves a target, of course, of finishing as high as they can on the table, hopefully in the top half. But in my head, I heard that stat the other day that Steve Bruce's Newcastle last season finished on 45 points. And I would love it if we beat them, Justin. Love it. <laughs> Do you think Newcastle can finish with five games remaining at a total of greater than 45 points? That would mean they require two more wins in their final five fixtures. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think that, uh, that question, a lot of, um, a lot of that fell on the performance today. It was today was the, you know, the, the teeter-totter, whether that's going to fall, yes or no. And with the win today, I'm going to say yes, but they can. I mean, we're at 40 points, and, and here's what I'm looking at. We have what? Uh, we got Norwich and Burnley to play. And for me, those are two wins. I just think with, I mean, the confidence of the team right now, uh, how we're playing, I just see that we have two wins there. Um, I don't foresee us getting any points from Liverpool and City. I just think that they are still too um, too strong of teams for us. I mean, it'd be it'd be a surprise, but I, I think we can get a point from Arsenal. Um, and I think that I mean, I, I realistically am looking at minimum six more points, possibly seven more. Yeah, that that's kind of where my head's at as well. I don't see us taking anything off Liverpool or Man City either. I don't think those Norwich or Burnley games will be simple ones. Um, I feel like we'd never play well away at Norwich and the Burnley game, who knows? I mean, there could be a lot writing on that game for Burnley mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Thank God there won't be a lot that we hope writing on it <laughs> for, for us. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, th- I think we should be targeting to win those games, all be them away from, from home and Arsenal. It just kind of depends on which team turns up, right? I mean, is it going to be the Arsenal that fell 3-0 at Crystal Palace a few weeks back, or is, the, or is it going to be the Arsenal that won 4-2 at Chelsea today? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, either of them can show up, but that's, you know, you look at Liverpool and you look at City, and they're consistently um, strong. Arsenal, like you just mentioned, they're, uh, they're up and down. So, you know, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and say that we catch them on a, uh, maybe a down week and we, we draw with them, get a point from that game. And yeah, Norwich and, and Burnley are both going to be fighting. Um, they're both in the relegation zone. They're both, they both have things to fight for, especially Burnley on the last day that we'll be playing. Um, but I just think we have so much confidence right now on the team and playing so well. I'm going to be optimistic and say that we, we get three points from each of those games. Yeah, I, I like that shout. I, I would agree with you that I think we'll probably surpass Steve Bruce's tally from, from last season. One other thing that kind of went through my mind is, you know, it, it was well documented after today's game. It's the first time since 2004 under Sir Bobby Robson that we've won six games in a row mm-hmm. at home. Um, our, we have two home games remaining. The next one, of course, is Liverpool, who are chasing the quadruple. Um, mm-hmm. They are desperate to win because there's still a point behind City in the table, having played the same amount of games. And I think right now they have, yeah, they both have six games to go in in the league. So, I mean, that's our next home game. 
I, I think we've both said we think that the streak is coming to an end, but you know, could could there be a surprise potentially there? Um, as optimistic as I as I'd like to be, um, I you know I watched Liverpool versus Man U was that just yesterday, right? Yep. And I mean Liverpool just look, I mean they they tore just Manu to pieces. I mean and and they're sitting at fifty four points and six. So, um, I mean. On any day, it could happen, you know, and it, it could happen. It's um, it's happened before, but I feel like if we're being realistic and um, to not get too, um, you know, pull down in the negative with Newcastle right now and, and expect them to start winning all these games right now, now in a couple of years, uh, if you ask me that question, I might have a different answer for you, but I feel like this year um, – I'd like to see them put up a good fight, but I don't expect us to pull any points from that. I think Liverpool are too strong. Yeah, I mean, I'd be thrilled if we could kind of keep an undefeated home streak going versus necessarily be expecting three points from that game because there is probably at this point more riding on it for Liverpool than there will be for us, given that I think we we both agree that we're at safety now. So, yeah, should be be an interesting one, though. Um, I feel like we always play decent against Liverpool. Like, we we usually take the lead and then lose 3-1 is kind of our MO, right? Couple yeah. goals, John Joe Shelby. I know scored an early goal a couple of seasons ago. I think Jetro Willems put us ahead. Retro, at, yeah, yeah. At, at Anfield as well. Yep, so that's that, right. Yeah. Yep. So um, we'll 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 see how it goes though. All right, let's uh, let's pivot over a little bit to Eddie Howe now. And I, I wanted to take a, a while to speak about Eddie Howe and the impact that he's made since he came into Newcastle as manager in November. So a stat I prepared for the pod today was Steve Bruce took charge of the first 11 games of the season for Newcastle and took from a possible 33 points, five points. Since then, Eddie Howe has come in and has uh, managed 22 games for Newcastle. So an available 66 points. He's taken 35 of those. So 35 of our 40 points have come from Eddie Howe. The other five coming from Steve Bruce prior to that. So on that pace, um, let's assume that he took 17 points. We have 35 from 66. Let's assume that he took 17 from the first 11 where he had been there all season. Eddie Howe would have us equal in the table with West Ham, and we'd be pushing really, really hard for certainly a European spot, possibly a Champions League spot. I want to take a moment to just raise, raise my glass here for Eddie Howe and the fantastic job that he has done as Newcastle manager far, far exceeded my expectations. I don't know how you feel. No, yeah, me as well. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, yeah, he had a, uh, you know, a, a great run with Bournemouth and everything he did there, but um, it was a risk. It was a bit of a risk, right? Um, not necessarily um, pr- proven as a manager to get to the heights that you're kind of talking about. And, you know, you look at, the numbers that you just said for if he had been there from the beginning of this season to where he might be now, where the team might be now, um, you know, that gets me thinking ahead for him next season with a summer transfer window. Um, And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I think there's still a lot of fans out there who are, who, who feel like he's just a stepping stone manager. Right. Mm. Um, You know, where the where the club and the owners want to be in three to five years um, is seems so far removed from where we've been and when you do even where we're at right now is that he's going to get us there but then we're going to get another manager and and man I don't, I don't know 
the more we move along with this team and what he's he's developing in this team and the um, the unity and watching these players fight, I think he has a shot of being the manager moving into those higher heights. Yeah, it's interesting with the, with you the club. say that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's fascinating you say that because I, I was in the exact same spot, right? When he came in, Eddie Howe for me was like, uh, there are other names out there like mm-hmm. Unai Emery, Antonio Conte, like real marquee managers, right? And, you know, we went for a fairly safe appointment, I would say, all around in, in Eddie Howe. Um, but an exciting English prospect. So that that kind of got me a little bit jazzed for it. But I think at the same time, I was where you were at in thinking like, this is a, this is a stepping stone, right? This is somebody that's coming in one to two years. And he's on a two and a half year deal, right? So he's got two years come the end of the season. And I imagined us kind of hoping that we stay up with him and then him transitioning. But now I could potentially see Eddie Howe being a longer term manager of this football club. And Zach made the point, um, a couple of pods ago that, you know, potentially his next job after leaving Newcastle could even be the England management job. Yeah, I fully agree. I've, I know I've expressed that to you before that, um, that I could see him in that role. Um, and, uh, time will tell, I mean, next year will be a, a big challenge for him. It's going to be a, a big leap. I mean, it's not going to always be, you know, an, an increase in an incline, I don't think with the team, but um, I just think that he's instilled something with this team that is, it's, you can't, um, you can't ignore. And I mean, it's, it's working. It's fun. They're fun to watch. I'm so proud. I mean, today we watched them and I just was like, I'm so proud to watch this team and how they're playing Mm -hmm. and how he sets them up. And, you know, and even some of the, even some of the decisions that were, you know, I was, I was asking for, um, you know, even texting with you during, during the match being like, Hey, we need to get some fresh legs and some subs in and being like, what, why is, why, why is he not making these changes quicker? And he, he didn't, but it works, you know, he, yep. you see those players, even when you think a couple of players, you're like, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe wood or uh, somebody else needs to, needs to come off. You still see them fighting and working uh, as hard as they can to the end. And you can just see that that's instilled with them that he doesn't need to make that third sub until stoppage time. So um, yeah, it's, it's really fun to see. Yeah, it is. It's a great time to be a Newcastle fan right now. And to your point, the, the desire of the players, the commitment levels, the fact that I feel like right now that they would run through a brick wall for any of the other players on their team. That's so far removed from what we've been used to used to and accustomed to seeing at Newcastle in previous years, right? There's been lack of harmony in the dressing room. There's been bust-ups on the training field between Matt Ritchie and Steve Bruce. And, <laughs> and, now, and now it seems like even the players on the bench are happy to be there and contributing, even if they don't get on the field. Like there's this, he's instilled this really good team spirit. I read a quote from John Joe Shelby this week that basically said the first thing that Howe did when he joined the club mm. was he asked for the names and birthdays of their spouses and kids. And I thought like, and Shelby said that was yeah. so impressive to him. It's such a simple thing to do, simple touch, right? But it's it's Eddie Howe trying to build that community and team spirit at Newcastle. And it, it seems to be working wonders. Yeah. And one other thing is, you know, you heard after Steve Bruce, 
Um, there was a lot of talk about the players coming forward and saying, hey, you know, there was a there was a lot of time off that Bruce gave them a lot of, uh, you know, days off during during, you know, during the week for resting. And you think of it, Premier League, that, you know, these players, it's, you know, the, the top league in the world, these players need that rest. They need that downtime. But really, you can see that hurt them. And you look at today and you see that article that came out where, you know, he had a training session with the players this morning before Christmas <laughs> House. They yep. got to go home, rest, and then they come back to the stadium in the game. And, you know, I think the old way of thinking and, and coaching, which you see in maybe Steve, Steve Bruce, the old thought is that's just going to, you know, wreck their, their, uh, <laughs> their energy, their fitness, or whatever it might be but they come out and they perform like they did today. So he, he's definitely in this new age, um, you know, grouping of, of managers and coaches that you see where there's a, there's a difference to how they go about things and the players are really recognizing it and they're responding. So it's exciting. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think it's kind of, you're to the point where they built up the fitness level so much that it's not necessarily going to tire them out. It's just going to maintain that fitness level. Right. And I'm sure they didn't today when they came in this morning, go through as rigorous a training session as they would on an sure. off day. Yeah. But the fact that he's bringing them in at all to me signifies, you know, the high standards. Even mentally, yeah. 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 Even mentally the players, it's like they have a day of the match. You still going to go, we're going to, we're going to walk through our, our training session, whatever it might be, you know, even yep. at a low pace. So. Yep, absolutely. So I just want to take a moment there to, to tip our caps and to raise a glass to Eddie Howe for the amazing job he's done at Newcastle this season, albeit, mm-hmm. albeit not mathematically certain yet, but really guiding us to safety um, from a pretty impossible 19th place spot and becoming potentially the first team in history to go the first 14 games without a win, winning our 15th game against Burnley and surviving that season. The previous three teams that that's happened to have all been relegated, including Sheffield United last season. So well done, Eddie Howe. We are proud of you. Um, Mm -hmm. We are so happy you are our manager, especially when we look at some of the garbage appointments that have happened in the Premier League this season. We we, we lucked out, and and I'll I'll eat my words on anything that I said negatively about him earlier this season. A top top gentleman and somebody I, I think I'm super proud to have as the manager of our club. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, Justin, this is going to be the fun part, I think, here about Newcastle. Um, we read a post on, um, I think it was Facebook earlier on this week, and it was basically asking fans to vote on five of their Newcastle um, awards for the season. Obviously, we're 33 games in, five games to go, but fairly confident we can pull up some names here. So we've got five categories and awards we'll give out. Uh, we'll go player of the season, flop of the season, most improved player unsung hero and signing of the season. Uh, I'll give you a clue for signing of the season. It's probably going to be someone in January and not in the summer. transfer window. <laughs> so, um, all right, let, let, let's kind of go through it. Why don't uh, we'll alternate you. Once you take the first, go first on the first one, and then I'll go first on the second and, and so forth. So Justin, sure. your, your player of the season for Newcastle and why? All right, so this is probably going to be my most controversial pick uh, for listeners here, and but but hear me out. Uh, so uh, I know a lot of the, there's a you know I feel like player of the season. A lot of uh, fans would have picked somebody who was there for the beginning of the season, but I'm actually going to pick one of the January signings. So 
and I'm going to do this with the thought process of looking at the player of the season when we look at the end of May and we look at back at the end of the season. At that point in the season, who is going to be the player of the season? And I'm going to go with Bruno at that point. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some people might say, hey, he was only there in January. But I'm going to, I'm going to argue that between uh, last month until the end of the season, I think we're going to look back when we're in June and say, who is the player of the season? And I think it's really going to be – I think this is a player that we've signed and we are going to completely build our future on. I really believe that he is the type of player that we're going to build the future on. Um, so I think we're going to look back at the end of the year and say, this guy was the player of the season. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no arguments for me and the, the merits of Bruno and just how good he is. I, I think to your point, it, this one to me was actually one of the hardest ones to, to award. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked before the pod started and we asked each other, we, we didn't share each other's answers, but we asked, do you have any of the same players for the, <laughs> for the same awards? And we, we tried to pick independent players for each of these. So that I think made it a little bit harder. And I bring that up because as I thought through player of the season, right. And I kind of looked at some of the statistics, there isn't one player who's just knocked it out of the park the whole season, right? There's been players that have been on and off form. There've been players that have come in since January, like Bruno, who've just been exceptional since they started, but they weren't here the entire season. So I also went with a little bit of an outside pick here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I went, and I went for Fabian share. I picked him because I just feel like, he's a player that hasn't really had the chance to shine since Rafa Benitez. Bruce never really valued him that highly. I think he struggled for fitness under Benitez. And I think the how regime has come in and raised the fitness level so much. Grant, granted, some of those injuries were unlucky, like shoulder injuries, collarbone injuries. I think he had a couple of those, but he's just raised his game so much and partnered alongside big Dan Byrne. I think he's, he's really shown why he's an automatic starter for Switzerland every game they play on an international basis. So um, I also think that Jamal LaSalle's our club captain has dropped down to the bench and nobody's batted an eye. Um, Mm -hmm. He's getting less and less mentions. I think he's influential behind the scenes, but Fabian Scherer is a ball playing center back. He compliments Dan Byrne really, really well, who does all the basics so well. And I think he elevates Byrne who doesn't have any international caps. Um, I think they complement each other so well. So Fabian Scherer, Longtime servant of the club. I think he's had a great season, player of the season for me. Uh, I like that pick. And man, he had a great, great match today, didn't he? Yep. And um, I, I don't see anybody um, coming off the bench to, to take that spot, him or Dan Burns right now. I mean, you, you can't. I, I think I texted you today during the match about uh, uh, what changes that might make it be made uh, towards the end of the match. I said, you can't touch the back line, but a big reason no. for that in the clean sheet today. So like yeah. the pick. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think that the back line right now is everybody's an automatic starter, right? I think, and that's what Eddie Howe's shown mm-hmm. is that if you're playing well, he will stick with you um, unless there's an injury yes. or your form drops. He's, he's very loyal to the players on the pitch. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about that pick for Fabian share. Okay, let's move on to flop of the season. Um, this one I found yeah, a, little, yeah. a little easier, and we, we may have the same one on this, but uh, mine was Kieran Clark. Um, Kieran Clark, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I've spoken highly of in the past. 
I think that, you know, he's a defender who on his day has, has done, done great things for us and has been one of our more solid defenders before obviously picking up Dan Byrne um, in the January transfer window. But Clark, for me, he's just had really an error-strewn season. Um, I think the, the low light of it was kind of, you can make a 50-50 bet here between getting sent off early, hauling back Timo Pukki against Norwich at home in a must-win mm-hmm. game for us. We ended up only taking a point from that one. So 10 minutes into the game, uh, he gets sent off and we have to reshuffle and, and see out the rest of the game with, with 10 men for 80 minutes. And then the other thing that I thought was really bad was they went off on the Saudi training camp um, and we had a friendly in front of the owners, the new owners of the football club, and he gets sent off for violent conduct, a petulant kind of kick out at one of the local Saudi players on a Saudi team. And you're just like, what are you doing? It's a friendly game. <laughs> Like, so, so basically their impression of him is this guy. And I think honestly, those things contributed to him not being included in the 25 man squad after the January transfer window. I'm not sad that he's going at the end of the season. I think we, we need to upgrade on players like that, but I, I thank him for his service. I think at times he's, he's been a good defender for us, but yeah, I I'd say a big flop based on the opportunities he's had and, and what he's shown on the pitch. Well, I'm mean, right. I got the same name on my list here. Um, you know, and I went back and forth with a couple of different names here. I mean, I, I think there's an argument that could be made for LaSalle's, maybe unfair for flop of the season. Um, uh, Jamal Lewis maybe could be putting that for a flop of the season. But yeah, I got Clark as well. Um, and for the same exact reasons. Um, I think when you look at you know, guys who are, you know, we just talked about how strong the the two center backs are right now. Who's going to take those spots? Nobody currently is. But if you got anybody who's going to be actually pushing for one of those spots and deserves it, he's fallen way um, out of favor. Uh, I think fitness, why, or, you know, just um, just his, um, the, the run he's been on. But yeah, the big thing was that uh, <laughs> the way he, the way he kind of went out in that, uh, and I, I mean, that I had the picture at the end of them like shaking hands and and yeah. making good of themselves, but <laughs> that, man, that that can't look good, right? They um, tried to rescue it from a PR standpoint. They but did. The, the, yeah. the dam um, the damage was already done to his uh, his standing at the club at that point, Kieran Clark. Yeah, and and when you look at what we talked about earlier, um, the unity that how has brought in this team, it's you know there's a lot of momentum in that in a positive way. And if you're a player in any way who is kind of rubbing against that and, you know, even a little bit, even a, a one-off like that, sorry. I mean, that's yeah. why I don't, I don't want to bring, I don't want any players to come in, in the summer who, who have those, uh, those negative attributes because I don't want it to, you know, poison that, that uh, spirit that we have. So yep, I got the same, same name on mine. So. Okay. Yeah. Great, great point as well. I think on the, upsetting the apple cart piece, right? I think you're, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right there. Um, I'm sad that you get to go first on this next one because I feel like we'll, prob- <laughs> we'll probably have the same answer. Uh, yeah. Most improved player, go ahead. Uh, most improved, yeah. Hey, there's arguments to be made for maybe Frazier or Kraft or some of those those guys that they've in the past maybe month or so come out of nowhere, but got to give it to Big Joe. Um, Joe Linton, I mean... You look at what, uh, where, you know, man, where do I even start? The player he was um, last year with Bruce in this team, 
and the struggles he went through and trying to make him a center, you know, a striker and then a winger and all these things um, to have how come in and just put him in this new role for this box box midfielder and have him be just a beast in that role solidified that role. He's going to start in that role every game he has, and he should until the end of the season by far most improved for me. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my name as well. Um, <laughs> the one, the one thing I wanted to kind of make a point on here was um, related back to Kieran Clark being flop of the season. Um, it was more by luck than judgment that Eddie Howe actually ended up playing Joe Linton in midfield because mm-hmm. Kieran Clark getting sent off in that game how had to reshuffle the pack and he actually moved Joe Linton back from a winger spot to being in the center of midfield. And he had probably his best game um, of the season. Exactly. So I don't, I don't know that we can give all the credit to Eddie Howe for that (laughs) one, but certainly since he moved back there, I mean, the desire that he's shown the passion, you know, you know this, but I I bought a Brazil Jersey and I put Joe Linton nine on the back (laughs) of it after some of his recent performances, even wore it a few times to the pub and, uh, had a, had a nice run going during the the first half of, uh, sorry, the first couple of months of the um, of the year here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. Joel Linton, most improved player for for me as well. Yep. Okay, unsung hero. Um, I wish I'm, I had this one first. Uh-huh, we may go over the same one again. We may have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Joe Shelby. Yeah. Quite 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 <laughs> simply, I've said this to you before. We're a better team with him in it. He's not perfect. It's not. He, he's not always going to be one of the top performers in the game but he just gives you so much um, on the field he transitions us up the field really really well he can always pick out a 60 yard 70 yard pass Um, doesn't always hit him every single time but there there isn't really another player on the team that can pick out that sort of pass with the consistency and accuracy that Shelby does it some of the balls in he's been able to put he scored some free kicks great delivery into um, into Chris Wood for the only kind of non-set piece goal that he's been able to score so far since he signed. I, I just feel like he's matured so much over the last mm. few years. You remember a few seasons back, he was this hot-headed player who was constantly getting sent off. Now he's our club captain. He's wearing the mm. captain's armband, and he's just a de- dependable, creative midfielder for me. I love seeing him on the field. Um, it really, I really struggle with when you've got Willock and you've got Guimaraes and you've got Joe Linton and Shelby, I think the two guaranteed starters for me are Shelby and Bruno. And then I struggle between the last two with Joe Linton and Willock and big Joe usually kind of comes out because he thinks he, he offers more different skills, I think, than the others. And, you know, I'm okay with Willock coming off the bench if you're playing three in the middle of the park for that. But yeah, long winded way of saying John Joe Shelby is my unsung hero for this season. Yeah, I have the same name, John Joe Shelby. Um, for all the reasons you said, I'll be, I'll be um, short and sweet here. Um, just read an article, I think it was four days old, for, so maybe for after the last match, and Newcastle are yet to win a game this season when he hasn't started. Huh, I didn't know that. That's a great stat. I mean, yet to just... win a game when he hasn't started. And we so won 10. That, right. So yep. you... Um, that I, I think I don't think that's a fluke. Um, I think we're a better team when he's in there. Um, he's not a player, especially with some of the January signings, that's getting a lot of the attention. But um, I think the 
the drop off in talent um, for players that might come in behind him is 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 quite a lot. But um, credit to him, we're a better team when when he's in the starting eleven. So. Yeah. So to that point, I was reading a lot, a lot of few quotes from his interview again today, a couple of things he said that I thought were really cool. He said, I just want to be part of this football club because it's going big places. I don't care if I start at left back. I just want to be out there playing for Newcastle on the pitch. I'd love that. And then the other thing he said was that he, when he drives to the, the stadium for the game, he usually is that. in his car with his eight-year-old. Yeah. And they play local hero. Local hero. Yeah. On the, on the stereo to get fired up for the game. I'm like, that's awesome. Like he's yeah. so bought into the club. And you yeah. know, his his Swansea and Liverpool days seem a long time ago now. I think, you know, he's going to be one of those players who it hasn't always been um the talk of the town with uh, with Toon fans. But I think, you know, he's he's ultimately been a, a quality player for us over the time that he's been there. And We've, been, we've benefited from him being on the pitch as, as the stat that you gave backs up. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. You get to close it out, my friend. Signing of the season for Newcastle. I know we don't have the same answer for this because you already gave one of my answers for this. <laughs> uh, so go ahead. I'm glad you're first. All right. Can I say Eddie Howe? I mean, no, I just yeah. <laughs> that's the name that came to me first. I was like, that's the signing of our season. Yeah. I um, mean, yep. You're not wrong. But, yeah. Not wrong. But if, if I have to pick a, uh, an actual player, if I'm, if I'm forced, this is a tough one. Um, you know, I've got, I had three names kind of roll around here, you know, Trippier, Bruno, pick Bruno for the player of the season. I honestly think Trippier would be probably the, the name that I would pick here if he hadn't had this long um uh, injury that in you know being out for for a long time so i'm gonna say dan burn mm-hmm. uh sign yep. of the season and that might be unpopular but um the guy has come in and one of the biggest issues we've had is just to shore up that back line with somebody who is a leader they're passionate about being back there and winning you can see uh the passion from him in the field the uh, the leadership it's one of the criticisms I have about LaSalle's is that great player, but gets back there and he's kind of quiet, especially as a captain. And yep. Dan Byrne is, um, it, he's just, you know, he's a, he's a Jordy fan growing up and just came into the team and he's just short up that back line and um, just love watching him play. So smart. Um, I think I think for all the defensive issues that we've had for a long, long time, a signing like that, have somebody come in and um, really shore that up is, is huge for us. It's really, really, it's a, it's a lot bigger than a lot of the flashier players that we see and we're, we're having fun with right now. Yeah. I, I love that call. Um, I think Dan Byrne has done an amazing job and you, you said it might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think you get a more popular opinion with the fans, <laughs> given, given that he's one of our own, right? He's, uh, he's yeah. a Jordy, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I, you're, you're, you're right. It, the leadership side of it is fascinating for me because I think before the January transfer window, you know, we had LaSalle's as captain. We had Shelby as kind of a backup captain there. And then, you know, Wilson had kind of stepped in for that. And then I would say all three of the permanent signings that we made in January could be potential future captains of this football club. Mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier, yeah. Dan Byrne, and Bruno. I think, you know, once he gets to grips with the language, he's doing great at that, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Just that desire from him 
on, on the pitch and the, the level of commitment that I think he brings would make him a natural captain. Um, I'm sure he's very vocal as well, um, as much as he can be given the language bearer. So um, I don't, I don't think necessarily Matt target would be, um, would be a vocal leader. I see him as a little bit more subdued, but his game does the talking. I think he's been great too. So mm-hmm. on my end, um, I actually was torn between Kieran Trippier again, hard because of that, but I went for Bruno, right. Uh, mm-hmm. For all the same reasons, I think that you picked him as your player of the season. He is the man who will lead us to the promised land, right? He's the benchmark <laughs> for the signings that we should be looking to make for this club. Um, yes. And I think, you know, he, he was the sexy signing. Kieran Trippier is a great signing coming from Atletico Madrid. That's a huge coup to bring him in, especially for 12 million pounds that he was. Yeah. But Bruno really experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yep. but Trip, Trippier has a kind of like, he is a ceiling, right? Because he's, he's going to be there for probably three to four years. And then he's going to be retiring probably from the game. Um, he's elevated us in ways on the pitch, the, the organization, the discipline, the keeping the heads, cool heads. Um, I'm sad we haven't gotten to see more of him, but Bruno for me, signing of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so excited about this player and Lord, he, he was asked in the program, if you saw that today, there was one player you could bring to Newcastle who would it be? He said Lucas Paqueta, his midfield partner <laughs> at Leon and in the Brazil national Brazil, team. Yeah. Rumored about 60 million they would want for him, British pounds. Could you imagine Paqueta yeah. and Bruno in the same midfield? Can you imagine a midfield trio add Joe Linton into that? Mix? <laughs> the, we've got three Brazilians in the middle. That would be yeah. wild, wild. So, yeah, I was excited about that. No, yeah. Definitely the sign. I mean, great sign of the season uh, pick there. I mean, again, I think you're right. I think, I think he is the player that, you know, I know how has come out and said that this summer is not going to be the revelation that everything is, everyone thinks it's going to be you know, immediately, but, uh, and I think that's in terms of saying, Hey, we're not going to have Mbappe and Masse and uh, you know, all these players yeah. coming over the summer, but you start to get players like that who, you know, um, can catch the attention of, you know, of other players that they know and mm-hmm. other players out there and the project that Newcastle is doing and get them excited about it. And that starts to draw attention to having them have interest in coming to the club. Um, I think Bruno definitely does that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, great, great um, names for the awards there. That was a, that was a fun section there. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's pivot though. We'll, we'll go over to our second talking point. Um, Sean Dyche after almost 10 years as manager of Burnley, was sacked last week. Um, I would say in the press, this was a rather unpopular decision, um, just based on some of the comments. Saw some comments from Jamie Carragher, who was disgusted by it. Um, I'd love to get your take, though, Justin. Where's your head at um, as far as the timing, as far as, you know, is is there better managers out there that you think can save Burnley's season? They are sitting in 18th of the Premier League right now in deep relegation trouble they're four points off the pace, but they do have um, on Everton right now. Um, actually, no, they don't. I tell a lie. They have played the same number of games on 31. thought they had a game in hand. Um, so four points back. What, what did you think of this when, when the news first broke last week? You know, I tend to situations like this. I, I think I tend to fall a little bit more on the pessimistic side of things. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, you've had this, this manager and who has um, I mean, what well, he's guided them to the EPL twice. 
I think they've gone twice down twice his first year. And then a couple years after that, and he's brought it back up. He's helped them uh, basically like develop their training grounds. He's had, you know, insight. I mean, he's, he's built the team to what it is um, for, like you said, almost 10 years and to, um, to with, you know, the, the very end of the season, get rid of that manager in hopes of just bringing in somebody new who's going to dramatically change things is just, I, I, I see that as a, I don't know, just a, a desperation gasp um, instead of just relying on the person who knows the club, who knows the players in and out and mm-hmm. can try to see it through. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But um, I don't know. Is, is anybody else, is any other manager as well qualified as they may be, are they going to come in and in the time that's left for Burnley at the end of the season, uh, you know, it's going to take three or four matches you'd think to get their um you know their style of play across to the players and and, and get them <laughs> hidden on all cylinders on that i just yeah. I, I just think it's a it's a desperation play um and i agree i, th- I think that i saw i read an article where you know many epl managers have come out just being kind of shocked about this um so yeah they they, they also said that Jurgen klopp is now the most tenured manager Right. In, the, in the Premier League at Liverpool after Dyche's sacking. And I agree with you. Um, it, it, it certainly came out of the blue for me. I, I think it would probably still have been frowned upon, but at least understood a little bit more had it happened in January, along with a lot of those other kind of managerial changes that were made. I think we had Gerard came in, Lampard came in in, in January as well. Right. It would have made a bit more sense to me then, giving him a transfer window, but therein lies the problem. Burnley yes. have a shoestring budget. They've never given Dice any money. Like, you no. know, they, they, they took the Chris Wood money and they reinvested it in Vout Veghorst. And he scored two goals since he's come. Wood has scored two goals at Newcastle since he's gone there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a like for like. Yeah, exactly. To your point. Um, I, I wrote very simply for my notes here, hashtag Dice deserved better. Um <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I truly believe that. I think he's, he's worked miracles with them over the seasons. People are critical of his style of football. He kind of lumps it forward. It's classic 4-4-2, bricks and nails, Burnley, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's, there's, even if they go down, honestly, Justin, there's, there's nobody I'd want more in charge of that football club than Sean Dyche. Like, yeah. I, think, I think he's the man to bring them back up if they go down. And I think it's on the board for not giving him more backing. Um, I think that he's, he's worked miracles with Wood and um, the, the striking contingent that they have there. You know, Ashley Barnes as well has been a big part of that. Jay Rodriguez has played a part. He's a Burnley mm-hmm. lad this season. So uh, I, I was really disappointed in it. I, th- I thought it was, to your point, clutching at straws um, and, and a really unpopular decision with just non-Burnley fans, right? I think mm-hmm. it pissed a lot of people off and, and rightly so. And Adam, one other thing that I came across was in 22 or 2020, the actually the team was bought by American investment company, ALK Capital. And that's the first time the club has not been run by any local businessmen or the supporters themselves. Um, I remember so, that. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. I, I kind of forgotten about it because there has been so little investment since that happened. I, I'd seen yep. it as kind of like a, maybe this is a way that you can get Burnley competing, but the investment just hasn't come to your point. 
Yeah. So you, you, you question, you wonder if these, you know, these outside investors come into this, uh, this club that um, they think they know better for, for what the, the club's future is and what it needs than uh, the local people do, or the, the, you know, the manager who might've been there for 10 plus years. Um, and I mean, time will tell, we'll see yeah. if they, if they go down, um, I think it's going to be a regret- regrettable decision, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I think it's very evident that they didn't have a game plan. Or if they did have a game plan for sacking Daesh, their number one candidate, they, they would have announced him by now, right? So that, that's a great way to pivot into the kind of the next manager odds right now. The favorite right now with the bookies to, to jump in and take charge is Chris Wilder at seven to four. We've got Sam Allardyce at two to one. Wayne Rooney, who's already ruled it out, wants to stay with Derby even after their relegation from the championship at 15 to 2. Michael Duff, you probably don't know a lot about him. I had to look it up. Um, he's a former Burnley player, um, retired from uh, playing in 2016 at Burnley. And he's now the manager of Cheltenham, has taken them from League Two to League One and is gaining a lot of plaudits there. He's at 10 to 1. David Unsworth, 12 to 1, another former player. Slavin Bilic, 14 to 1. Chris Hutton, 14 to 1. Rafa Benitez. Oh, sorry, that would be 16 to 1. I think I think we're getting into Saves the, Burnley. <laughs> the, the fairy tale land now. And then um, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, 20 to 1. Daniel Farka, 20 to 1. I think I mean, he might he might actually be a, a reasonable shout there. Um, but yeah, what what are your thoughts? Anybody there that you think would be an upgrade on Dice? And I think you mentioned you might have another person to throw into the mix as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Chris Wilder is the uh, the best odds there, but he's managing Middlesbrough, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, I mean, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later on in the conversation if we we dive into the championship promotion race here. But I don't think that Middlesbrough are uh, written off from that race right now. No, their son um, the playoff shot. Yeah, yeah, and our, is is Chris Waller? Chris Waller is not gonna. What is, I mean, is he gonna ditch Middlesbrough in a uh, chance to be promoted? in the EPL to go try to save Burnley and possibly come back to the (laughs) the championship. I just don't know. Um, So, but the one name, yeah, that you, you mentioned, I had another name. Um, I was looking at the odds today and it said that um, another name had shot up the, uh, the odds list as of last night. And it's uh, Chettel Knutson. Have you heard of Chettel Knutson? I haven't. Tell me more. Um, He's the manager of Bodo Glim, which is the top the they're the the team that's leading the norwegian league right now oh okay Uh, a young promising manager and i think he's currently maybe third or fourth in in uh the odds here Hmm. manager they actually beat roma 6-1 in october of 21 wow yeah i think in the europa league so he's actually set up a, a really good uh lineup and so a couple norwegians there in the in the mix but Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, a promising young manager kind of on the fringe like that might be the better option than some of these names that we're running across who are, who have, yeah, some of them are tried true. They've brought teams up from the, or from the championship up to the Premier League and back down and they've done that before, but I just, that's, a, that's kind of an old school, um, old school tactic to bring those guys in yeah just to get in the premier league and then ditch them to buy to get to get that new manager why not bring that young young european talent that unheard of 
you know, 35 year old who is doing, you know, the next, you know, the way Adi Hawa is managing type of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. It's, it's an interesting one for me. You know, I, I think if their goal was to hire somebody to keep them up, then I don't think there's anyone better that could potentially do that than Sean Dyche. I don't think any of these people, to your point, they got to right. come in, they got to learn the players, they got to learn the way they train, they got to put their own stamp on it. And it took Eddie Howe a while to do that mm-hmm. in Newcastle. I think if you're thinking though about like, there's a good possibility we can get relegated and we want to plan for the future and kind of take our next evolution beyond Sean Dyche, then I think I understand the decision a little bit more. And I, and I do agree with you that I think that the younger, sexier manager, international mm-hmm. manager versus some of these dinosaurs here, like Sam Allardyce. <laughs> yeah, even Slav- Rafa. Slavin Bilic, even Rafa. Bilic, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to, to me, uh, not, not, not might be a, might be, a, I just don't, I don't see him. I don't see him want that job. No, I think he'll go back and he'll manage. Maybe he'll take the Norwegian um, yeah, job that you're the, talking the, about. Go to Bodo Glimp. Bodo Glimp to Philly, <laughs> to, to Verley. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- last question on Burnley then before we kind of jet into our next topic. Can, can they stay up? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know what? I'm going to go out and, you know, I, I, I took a look at um, the remaining games for all the teams that are kind of right there bunched up in that um, relegation battle. And I'm going to say, that I think that they have the best shot of those teams to stay up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I got some notes here. So Burnley, seven matches remaining, and only two of those are top ten opponents. Yep. You look at Watford; they got six matches, um, and three top ten opponents. Two in the top three, which was Man City and Chelsea. Everton was seven, but they got four top ten opponents. Two in the top three with Chelsea, Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So you look at that. I mean, that's kind of saying Norwich is going to be relegated and not giving them much of a shot. But between Watford, Burnley, and Everton, Burnley definitely has the easier schedule. Or, um, yeah, schedule coming up. So, Yeah, I agree. And, and their next two games are Southampton at home and Wolves at home, and they have to win those two games. They like, do, yeah. Yep, yep. they got the home crowd advantage there. Um, they, they've got to be earmarking six points. I think anything less will be really tough to come back from. Yep. yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think they can definitely stay up. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for the ownership to get a new manager in there and who that is and, and how that affects this. But, um, yeah, if it was my team, if it was Newcastle, I'd be looking at it and saying, hey, we have the easiest uh, run out for the rest of the season. Let's, let's go and get it done. And if they can't, uh, they're going to probably look back and regret uh, the decision on Sean Dyche, I would say. Yeah, I think in answer, very quick answers to the question, I think, yes, they can stay up. I think it's all contingent on who they bring in now. If they keep their temporary manager in charge, I forget his name, I think they're going to struggle. I think if they get the rub of a new manager coming in, maybe they, they bounce a couple points off of that, but that needs to happen ASAP. Yep. 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 All right. Um, our third topic of four today, um, the four, race for fourth place. Um, we'll, we'll talk kind of quickly. I want to give you the, uh, the run in here of the teams that we're going to chat about briefly. So we have currently in fourth place in the Premier League, we're going to discount Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, who we feel pretty confident are going to snag those top three spots, undetermined on who's going to win the Premier League, but we think one (laughs) through three will likely be those teams. We've got Tottenham in fourth, 32 games played on 57 points. Arsenal in fifth, 
exact same record, 32 games played, 57 points. Tottenham's goal difference is eight better than Arsenal's. Um, and then we've got Manchester United in sixth on 33 games, so played one game more, and they're three points back on 54. And then the final team in that, 33 points, West Ham, two games, two points back of West Ham, but having played one game more than Arsenal and Tottenham. Uh, those teams, the remaining fixtures, as we look at those, for Spurs, they have Brentford away, Leicester home, Liverpool away, Arsenal home, Burnley home, Norwich away. So some tough games in there. Brentford, one of the form teams in the Premier League, mm-hmm. got Liverpool and Arsenal bunched in there too. Arsenal have Man U at home, West Ham away. So two of the teams that we've talked about that are in that race for fourth. They also have Spurs away. That is going to be a huge game. And then um, Newcastle and Everton for Arsenal. Man U have Arsenal, Chelsea, Brentford, Brighton, Palace, and West Ham. Tough run in for them. And West Ham have Chelsea, Arsenal, Norwich, Man City, and Brighton, perhaps on paper, um, one of the hardest run-ins of, of those remaining teams. In my opinion, I think we can safely discount based on form and how far West Ham are back, Manchester United or West Ham. Would you agree with that one? Uh, West Ham, you said? West Ham and Man United, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to go on a flyer with Man U and say, hey, if they if they bring in, um, you know, there's the talk about bringing uh, Eric Hag. Yeah, um, and and what he does if it's end of the season. End of the season, though, they're talking about for that one. They're not. They're not oh, talking is, about. Is it? Yeah, they're basically they've got Rangnick through the end of the season, and then they want gotcha. to bring in Ten Hag for the summer. Perfect. So that being said, then no, um, I think um, man, they're struggling. They look. They looked really rough. They they need a they need a reboot. I mean, yes, they played Liverpool, Liverpool, and Liverpool are great, but they they just got played off the pitch um, from the past couple of times I've seen them. I, and with that run out, even with um, I think you said that they're playing West Ham and um, a couple in there, but I don't see them competing again until until next fall. So yeah, I, I agree. Okay, we're looking at Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, so, so if we're looking at those two teams, then Justin, let's let's focus and hone in on those. They got to mm-hmm. play each other. They got to play each other at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think three games from the end of the season. So they've got a few games before that. Next three fixtures: Spurs have got Brentford, Leicester, and Liverpool. Brentford away, Leicester home, Liverpool away. That's a tough set of fixtures. Brentford are flying right now. They've mm-hmm. won four out of their last five and drawn the other one. And then Arsenal have Man U at home, who we know are not playing well right now. <laughs> West Ham away, and then Leeds at home. Leeds still not technically safe either, so we could see them um, pushing hard against, against Arsenal as well. If you had to bet on it now, knowing that Spurs has a superior goal difference, is it Spurs or Arsenal for you? Uh, it's Spurs for me. Um, and it kind of goes back to when we, you know, we started the pod here to, and you asked about um, can Newcastle – top that 45 points right and you know me looking at liverpool man city and not getting any points off those but really feeling that arsenal is a team that we can we can get a point from if that uh if that matchup with newcastle was tottenham i'd probably say no we'd just get the six off of norwich and burnley and we wouldn't get that extra point again i just think arsenal is too up and down right now they're Mm. too hot and cold um yes they could go on a, on a hot run here um you said they're playing top they're playing each other right correct yeah three games yeah. from the end of the season at spurs yeah um i i don't see them winning that that match 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I could, uh, I usually like to be a little gutsy with my calls here and, and go for the underdog. <laughs> I, I just don't see it here though. I, I think Tottenham secures that spot. Yeah. I, I think it'll be another layer that I just kind of just dawned on me. Brentford away for Spurs in their next game is going to be Christian Eriksen playing against Spurs. Um, that's going to be a really Good interesting, call. interesting yeah. layer there. So yeah. he'll be, he'll be up for that game. No doubt. Obviously there's a lot of respect for Spurs. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the opposite way here. I'm going to, I'm going to say Arsenal. Um, and I would yeah. say, let, let's, let's put a little wager on this just to make it interesting. How about, how about 20 bucks on, on this Spurs right. versus Arsenal? Let's so you got, you got the slight zoom handshake right here. It's, exactly. There it is right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You've, you've got the plus eight goal difference here. So you've got a slight advantage, but actually the exact same record in terms of wins, losses and draws on the season at this point. It is, yeah. 18, uh, and, three and 11. That's right. So um, it, it's very much at, at an even race here. So I'll take Arsenal, take Spurs and listeners. We'll find out what happens come the end of the season. All right. Our last topic for the day is the championship promotion race. So I want to kind of give um, our listeners a quick overview here. Why do we care about this? We care about this because these are teams that we're going to be talking about next season, potentially. Fulham have already confirmed their place in the Premier League next season. Uh, the talk of the town there is Alexander Mitrovic has smashed the championship goal scoring record, uh, which was previously, I believe, 32 or 33 goals that Ivan Tony broke last season for Brentford. Mitro's about four games left in the season and already has 40 goals on the season. So um, Fulham are up. They are on 42 games played with 86 points. Right behind them is Bournemouth on 41 games played but nine points back on 77. Those are the two teams Fulham confirmed as going up, but not as champions yet. Bournemouth with a healthy lead of four points over their third place rivals and also with two games in hand on them. So I think, I think it's fair to say that Fulham and Bournemouth are the most likely ones to go up with Fulham already confirmed in the automatic promotion spots. And then of course, we've got this interesting premise we don't have in a lot of other leagues Call the playoffs. So how that works, listeners, just to refresh anybody that isn't familiar, third place, sixth at the end of the season, fourth place, fifth. And then the winners of those two games basically play in a one-off at Wembley to decide who goes up. So you could potentially finish as low as sixth on the table and still get promoted. That has happened many times. So Justin, I know you've done quite a bit of um, uh, analysis on this. I'm going to turn it over to you to really talk about the, the teams that are left that could potentially qualify for the playoffs. And, and then I'd love to hear your take on who you think might snag it this year. Sure. Well, yeah, like you said, Fulham, Fulham's in. Um, and I'm going to say Bournemouth, it will secure that, uh, that second spot. Um, Huddersfield only has three matches left. They can only finish on 82 uh, points. And they're in third they, right now, right? If they win out and they're third. Yep. Um Bournemouth is at 77 with five matches left. So I don't think there's any um, real risk of Bournemouth uh, dropping that. Um, but things get fun when you look at uh, third through really, I'd say even down to 10. <laughs> um, yep. I mean, you're looking at, you know, we're looking at Sheffield sitting in uh, six right now at 66 QPR at 63 down in the, the 10th. I mean, that's bunched up right there. Yep. Um, so, you know, a couple of notes that I have on here that are that are interesting and and worth noting is that Luton, Nottingham, and Sheffield all have to play Fulham in their mm. season. 
and they're in fourth, fifth, and sixth right they're now. They're in fourth and sixth. Yeah. Yep, so yep. you can't imagine that, you know, that they're, they, I mean, <laughs> with what Fulham's doing right now and the run they're on, you can't imagine that the, all those teams are going to win out of their games. So that's but to, interesting. But, but to Fulham mail it in, given that they, they're about to secure the league and they don't really have a lot else to play for, yeah. is, it a, is it a good time to play them? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Maybe, but, um, um, I I'm breaking down all the teams and and who they have to play and I honestly think there's one team that I think is going to squeak into that sixth place who has a pretty easy run out here and I think that's going to be Middlesbrough. Interesting. Okay, um, they're yeah. in a poor poor run of form right now, but we talked a little bit about Chris Wilder. Obviously, he's got he's got the pedigree there. Say, say more about the running. I'm curious to hear who they've got left. So they've got Swansea. Cardiff, Stoke, and Preston. Okay. So compared to the others who who have to play either Bournemouth or Fulham, almost all the other ones have to play, you know, the, one of the top two teams here. Uh, they don't. And they are currently three points off the sixth place spot. Yep. So I think having a little bit easier run out, um, I think we're going to be looking at Huddersfield, Lutontown, Nottingham, and Middlesbrough. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's prediction. a good that's, that's a good shout. I, I like that. And then, so let's assume that the third, fourth, and fifth stays the same with Huddersfield, Luton, and Forest in some sort of order like that. Sure. Um, and then you have Middlesbrough that make the playoffs. Who's your who's your pick of those four teams to make their, their way to the Premier League next season? And I'd love to, I'd love to see Middlesbrough uh, just so we could have a little bit of a Northeast Derby of some sort. The Tine Tees. Yeah. Um, but Luton Town, that's who I, that's who I'd be rooting for. Ah, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I want. The I'd same love to thing see too. it. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of hype around it right now, and like, um, you know, a lot of talk about their stadium and the this this you know small confines of their their little stadium. And um, can can you imagine that being a uh, EPL <laughs> uh, away trip for Newcastle next year? Yeah, amazing. I mean, like, so the, the ground the ground you're talking about is Kenilworth Road, and yes. the big the big issue with it is that you know, um, it's it's a very small number one, and Luton are trying. And Rich, Rich, a friend of the pod who's who's helped guest host before, is, is a huge fan. He's talked about it at length. But right now they're still in that stadium, and you have to enter some of the gates and turnstiles are basically in between two terraced houses. So you like <laughs> have a house to your left and a house to your right. You can literally like throw your trash into there into their yard as you're going, as you're going by. So it's a, it'd be fascinating to see the Manchester cities going to the Lutons uh, it would, in, the, yeah. in the Premier League next season. Yeah. I think just for that reason, it'd be fun. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them. What do you, what do you got? Who you got? What are you thinking? Um, Hart says Luton town mm-hmm. head says Huddersfield. Um, mm-hmm. The form they're in right now, they're playing very, very well. They've taken 10 points from their last 12. They seem to be on, a good run forest. I think also are another good shout. I think Huddersfield or forest would be probably my two picks there. If I was pushed on it, probably Huddersfield. I think Fulham, Bournemouth and Huddersfield, all teams that have recently been in the premier league. I think forest will have some sort of mental hurdle to overcome because it has been so long since they've been in there mm-hmm. remains to be seen what Sheffield United do, but they're not in great form right now, either in six spot. Yeah. It'd be fun to see Millwall uh, with Oof. West Ham. That rivalry's that rivalry's been dead for years, right? 
be some feisty derbies in, in, in that one and, and probably not good ones there'll probably be some violence that happens yeah. if we'll all make it back to the Premier League so yeah. uh, Mark my be- word, I think I think Middlesbrough will make a run for it here though nice yep, yep. I, I, I like that call cool yep. all right well before we take a quick commercial break let's go ahead and give you then Justin your first clue I, I will forewarn you that this clue is going to be absolutely useless in EPL <laughs> trivia but a reminder listeners of the question with 202 clean sheets which goalkeeper has the best record in Premier League history? Clue number one. This player was born a triplet. Yeah, it doesn't help at all. I know, but I thought it was a great, great <laughs> find in terms of like facts on this on this person. So, so okay. yeah, well, mull over I that. I still have the same maybe three names in, in mind. I'll probably uh, just pick one, but we'll see. I promise the second clue will, will, will be a better one in terms of <laughs> narrowing down the field for you. So, All right. yeah, well, uh, listeners, we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the False Nines. We're in the back half of the pod here. We're going to kick it off with 10 and 90, and then we'll give you a better clue for EPL trivia, Justin. Um, and then the uh, and then the answer to round out the pod here. So um, you mentioned to me that you've got a really special theme for 10 and 90. So I'll get mine out of the way first here. Um, Zach enjoys these. I hope you enjoy them too. It's hypotheticals. Um, so really no right or wrong answer here. Just want your opinion. Okay. Question number one. If you had the choice of pinching any current top four manager to replace Eddie Howe in the summer, would you do so? And if so, who would you take? So the teams in the top four spaces now, Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Spurs. So we've got Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel. and then Antonio Conte. If you had the chance to take any of those managers in the summer, as we go into full-on rebuilding mode, would you want to? And if so, who who stands out for you there? Uh, I'm going to say no, I don't want to. Okay. Awesome. And it kind of uh, building off of what we talked about earlier. I think next season will be really the telling season for Eddie Howe. And I really want to see him through that. If he succeeds next year and we have a really, really good team and a really good run and he continues what he's, he started. Um, I don't want to replace him. I think he's built something special. So no, I'm not going to take any of them. I like that answer. Sticking with our Homer pick there. That's, that's nice. Right. I will, I will push you though. Obviously your answer is keep Eddie Howe, but Let's assume Eddie Howe wasn't there and you could take one of those four. Who, who do you think would be the best fit for Newcastle of those top four managers currently? Uh, Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. Interesting. Well, what's your, what's yep. your reasoning? Um, well, now that I say that, I was thinking of the um, kind of the, the, the quiet tactician uh, individual, mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of the new age manager that we see. But and the more that I kind of talk about that out loud, I, I kind of think that Klopp is kind of brings the emotion and gets the the best out of the players there. So um, I might be changing my answer to go with Jurgen. Yeah, um, I, I I could see why. And Zach actually asked I asked him this question, but I asked him with just. Guardiola or Klopp in the last pod, and he he picked Klopp. Klopp I might go, sure. I might I might go for Pep to be honest. I think just he brings out so much in terms of the players and advances their game so much. I, I understand the passion behind Klopp, but 
he irks me sometimes, kind of pisses me off mm-hmm. with like the whole wanting to rearrange the fixture <laughs> stuff. So I, I, I would probably go for Pep, but I, I agree with you. I'd, I'd keep Eddie Howe as well. Yeah. All right. Question number two, assuming they go down, are there any players you'd want to take at Newcastle from either Norwich or Watford? And if so, who would you like to take from either of those two teams? Ooh, Norwich and Watford. Um, might have to do a quick, let me take a look at the, I think the obvious ones at Norwich will kind of help you out a little bit here. Timu Pukki's there. Yeah. Um, Norwich I'm more familiar with, so I'd probably say Pukki. Who else you got? And then oh, Norwich, I don't think there's anyone else really necessarily worth taking there. On the Watford side, they've got some players. Emmanuel Dennis has had a good season. Ishmael Sar is always um, a player. And then Jao Pedro has had a good year as well. Um, just curious if any of those kind of strike your fancy uh, or if you think that we probably should be aiming a bit higher than those. No. Yeah. I mean, I think team Pookie would be interesting. Um, although I, I feel like with the lineup that we're going to have with Wilson coming back would, and probably an additional sign. I don't see where a player like that fits in. And any of the other Watford players, I, I just don't feel like, uh, I feel like we're again, I hear what Hal says that it's not going to be the revelation everybody ever, you know, some of the fans believe it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be a step above some of those players that you might see at Norwich and Watford kind of in that middle ground. So I think we're above that, not to the highest of heights, but um, no, there's not any names that stand out. How far we've come. I think we've, we've yes. talked in previous seasons about wanting to pinch players from, from relegated teams and we're setting our sights higher than that from long way, yeah, long way that continue. And it's a realistic, it's realistic now. It's not just, um, like I say that with conviction that no, I don't think that we need any of those players. I think we can look elsewhere and get, get better players. Okay. I like it. Um, yep. question number three, I want a one word answer from you. Christian Erickson available on a free in the summer. Yes or no. No. Okay. All right. I would have gone yes on that one, but what, 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 why, why yes. Um, I just think that he brings something interesting from a creative standpoint that maybe only John Joe really kind of has right now. I think Bruno has some create creativity to him, but Christian Eriksen can pick out an amazing ball as well. He's just, he's just a quality long ball player um, and scores and chips in with a few goals and um, great set piece taker takes penalties as well. I think he could bring a lot to the team and a lot of great experience in the Premier League too. Yeah, I hear you. I think um, I think it's kind of when you talk about, you know, Erickson's what, 30 years old I'm seeing here. Um, and, you know, you brought up Kieran Trippier as somebody who is also, you know, 31 years old, who we're looking at is going to be at the club for the next couple of years and then probably retire and move on. Um, I just don't know how many of those players that we want to add into the squad. Yeah. You want to go younger or you want to kind of pick more yeah. established players. Yeah. And here's the thing. You can't do all younger, right? You can't have all younger. You got to have a couple of those experienced guys, but if we have our, a couple already, um, uh, I guess my thought is just, I don't know how many more we need. Yeah. All, all very good points. Yep. Okay, qu- question four. Um, who would win in a fight between Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta? <laughs> so Mikel Arteta, his understudy at Manchester city before he went to Arsenal. Who would win in a fight between us? 
<laughs> just like a, a fist fight? Yeah, street fight. No rules. Um, you said Pep and Mikel? Yep. Ooh. I think, I think I'm going to give it to Pep. Yeah. I, I, I think, think it's scrappier, yeah. I think I agree. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the master would uh, defeat the pupil <laughs> there. So, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, last question before we give you your Welsh word for this week, Justin. <laughs> Bruno Guimaraes has to sing karaoke. What song does he choose? Ooh. Um. <laughs> you can go anywhere know. with this. There's, there's I, no don't, I don't know any Brazilian song. <laughs> um. Uh, what does he have to sing? What song would sum up his uh, his time in Newcastle so far? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> you got something while I'm thinking? What's that? So we're not, you got any ideas while I'm thinking so there's no dead air? Uh, no, I, I mean, for me, Simply the Best by Tina Turner would be a, a great a great <laughs> option for Bruno. Um, I, I had really nowhere I was going with this. I just wanted to see if I could make you squirm a bit. <laughs> um, maybe we are the champions. We are the champions because we will be in a couple seasons. That's playing right. The, playing in the Champions League. Champions League winners. 20, That's a great 20, sports song. 23, 24. Yeah. You get that tattoo right. right now? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Be good. Uh, imagine if, Newcastle, imagine if New, Newcastle won the Champions League before Pep did at Manchester City. That would be wild. Ooh. Wild. Yep. All right. Don't know pronounce, about that, but... <laughs> probably not. Pronounce this <laughs> Welsh word for me, my friend. Yeah, I'll spell it for you. C-Y-M-R-U. You can write it down. C-Y-M-R-U. Uh, C-Y-M-R-U. Give it a stab. What do you got? Um, say the first thing chem. that comes into your mind chem <laughs> no there's more syllables than that it's cumry 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 yeah cumry what do you what do you think that means do you have any guesses um No idea. It means whales. It's Welsh for whales. Is it really? It is, yeah. Camraig mm-hmm. ah. is Welsh for Welsh, and Cymru is Welsh for Wales. So you learn something today. The more today, you guess. know. The more yeah. you know. Exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend, that's your 10 and 90 for me. I'm excited. I hear you've got a great, a great theme for me this week. I do have a great theme. Hopefully this works out because um, I'm using a kind of a, a second device here, but Adam, I know you are a lover of music. I am. And of football. Yep. So I tried, uh, decided to uh, test your knowledge on um, theme songs or popular songs, the theme songs for different teams. So I'm going to play the theme song or their, the teams, uh, the, the song that they're known for. Okay. You have to try to tell me the team. The team. Okay, are these current Premier League teams or are they kind of a mix of? They're all uh, current Premier or Championship League, Championship teams. Championship teams, okay. Yep, but it's all all English. 
Okay. All right. Let's do it. So this is the first one. I'll give you a little information on it. So ready? Let's do it. Are there any words in this song? No. And there's two right answers, but there's <laughs> one more right answer. Da, 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 da. Do you know what that theme song is? I don't. Really? Oh, that doesn't help. I'm struggling. Um, okay, you, you, got a clue? you got a clue for me? Um, it is a, it, well, it's a traditional folk song was a theme of a BBC TV program of the same name from 1962 1978. Oh my word. Uh, I'm just gonna throw a name out here then. Let's go Everton. Everton is right. No way. Yes. I just literally picked, what, what, is, this, what is the song? I just picked a it's, random Premier League. It's theme. called the Z Cars. The show was called the Z Cars. And no Z -Cars way. Theme. Everton play that uh, uh, as the players walk out before every match. I should buy a lottery ticket because that was a complete guess. I was going to say Liverpool <laughs> for a second guess. Yeah, there, there you go. All right. All right. Second one. You ready? Yes, let's do it. Here we go. Glad All Over is the name of the song. Well, yeah. ba bad news. I don't know that song either. Oh, um, so I'm, I'm struggling so far. Uh, is this a current Premier League team or is it a current championship team? Current Premier League team. Premier League team. Well, it's not Newcastle. It's not, the song, it's not, not Everton. So. Park Five first performed this song at their park in February 1968. It's been their song ever since. 1968, Glad All Over. Well, I can rule out Liverpool, Everton, and Newcastle because I know what Liverpool's is. And it's not West Ham because yeah, that's not I'm forever blown bubble. I didn't put any easy ones in here like you'll never walk alone, forever yeah. blown bubbles, <laughs> thanks, moon thanks. rising. At least, at, least, <laughs> at least I can rule those out, right? Yeah. Um, I will go then randomly for Brighton. Hmm. Brighton's is Sussex by the Sea. Or, yeah, I think Sussex by the Sea. But this is... Um, the band performed the song at Selhurst Park in 1968. Uh, it's Palace. Palace. There you go. That's right. Got it. Yeah, you're, you're bound to get one of these right if you don't have an extra at the end. I already okay. did. I already got everything right. Oh, you did? Oh, I'm, yeah. good. I'm good. <laughs> Without I, guessing, you're, you're about to know one of them. I can, I can, tank, I can tank these. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Here's the third one. Ready? Yes. Well, that that was a terrible song, and I haven't heard that either. So um, this has been this has been a struggle. 
All right. Well, the original we'll, song we'll was by Les Reed and Barney Mason, released in 1972 for the team reaching the 1972 FA Cup final. Oh, that doesn't help at all. Uh, okay. Current Premier League or current championship team? Premier League. Oh, shit. Uh, all right. Just a random guess. Let's go Villa. Leeds. I Leeds. Leeds. Oh, shit. <laughs> I've seen a game at Ellen Road, too. Oh, my God. That's terrible. I thought you know some of these. I, I, thought, I thought I would, too, but apparently not. <laughs> yes, Leeds. All right. Number four. Ready? Yep. Let's do it. Black and white. <laughs> Everyone is fired of that pride. So there's some hints in there. The black and white. Well, it's not Newcastle. It's not Newcastle. Steve Bloomer's Watching is the name of the song. There's some terrible songs. Um, is there any more background on the song? Is it? I'm guessing it's a current championship team, then, given it's black and white. Written about Steve Bloomer, legend who played for the Rams. Almost give it away from 1892 to 1906. Consider one of the great English players. I can't give it away there. I, it's, I know it starts with an R. Um, are we going to go with Darby then, the Rams? You got it. Yeah. I, get it right. yeah. <laughs> I was struggling to think of <laughs> black and white teams in the championship, too. Yeah. My bad. There you Pardon go. My notes there too much. All right, you get this one. Ready? Okay. Here's a, here's the last one. I know the song "Mull of Kintyre," so I actually know the song now, but I have no idea who and who is from. No. Uh, do you know who, who, who sings the song? I don't. I couldn't tell you the artist. Oh. But I, I've, heard, I've heard the song. That's Paul McCartney and Wings. Yes. That would make yep. sense. Okay. So then... You want a hint? Well, hold on. It's not Liverpool because that's You'll Never Walk Alone. We already right. said Everton, so it's not them. So they, this team changed the name of the lyric, the, changed the lyrics a little bit to, uh, to fit them. So I'm guessing then it would be kind of some Liverpool-based team. And the other, only other team I can think of is Tranmere Rovers. So I'm going to just throw out Tranmere Rovers. It's probably wrong. I'll give you a hint. Made famous by Paul McCartney and the Wings in 1977. Adopted in 1978 when this team won the first division title. They won the league in 77, 78? 78, yeah. That would be the highest league in football at the time. Um, teams that were doing well at the time, Ipswich, Forest. I go with Forest. Nottingham Forest. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. All right. I just, it's surprising to me that they would pick a Liverpool based band for Nottingham. So. Right. Yep. All right. I got one more just as a, as an extra. Do we have time? Yeah, we got time. 
the so bonus specific, specifically for you this is the bonus okay okay if you don't get this one right there's no hope for you man there's no hope for me anyway so let's do it all right ready <laughs> yes you don't know what? I know this is a Welsh team because it's clearly a, they're singing a Welsh. Cardiff City. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a song. There's a song uh, way back when that came out in the '90s or early 2000s. It's, it said, "I want to see the sunshine after the rain. I want to see bluebirds flying over the mountains again." And that's another Cardiff City song there. So, what if that? Yeah, so, so it was originally performed by a Welsh punk band named Youthant. Okay. It was first performed at Cecil Bank, home of Lincoln City, on September 15th, 1990. There are some terrible songs. Do the Ayatollah. Do the Ayatollah. Wow. Pretty good. You you went to university right there, right? Uh, Swansea. Oh, Swansea. Uh, Well, close enough. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I I like like Cardiff. I always root for the Welsh teams. (laughs) All right. You did did better than I thought. That was that was fun. I, I think yeah. I flew by the seat of my pants and guessed a couple of those. But, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that was that great great theme this week. Yeah. All right. Um. So to wrap up the pod then today, Justin, I'm going to give you your second clue for EPL trivia and see if you can guess this goalkeeper here. So again, okay. reminder of the question: two hundred and two clean sheets. Which goalkeeper has the best record in Premier League history? I gave you a horrible clue halfway through the pod that he was born a triplet, which didn't help you at all. I will tell you that this player once went a full 38-game season in the Premier League, conceding only 16 goals. He played every single game in the Premier League season and only conceded 16. So you know this is a defensive behemoth of a team if they conceded only 16 in a Premier League season. So what is your answer, sir? You tell me the season. I'm not telling you that much. I think it would be a bit of a giveaway there. All right. Uh, 203 clean sheets. 202 clean sheets. Or 202 clean sheets. Yeah. Um, defensive. It's going to be a. It's going to be a, a good team. Probably oh, yeah. top oh, six team. Oh yes. It can't I mean, be a, a bottom team. Yeah. They they um, won they won the league that year that they only conceded 16 goals for sure. Uh, defensive. Think of your historical Premier League managers who's notoriously defensive-minded. Um, I'm going to say when it comes to the top six, the most defensive-minded team I can think of historically in recent 10, 12 years, 15 years is probably Chelsea. So I'm going to say Peter Cech. Is the correct answer? I, is it serious? It, it oh is. my god! Under under Jose wow. Mourinho, exactly. Yep. So Ooh. when back when Mourinho was a good manager, um, yeah, they only conceded sixteen goals in a season, and Petr Cech was the the goalkeeper at the time. They've well done, sir. Defensively stout. They have, yeah. Now they, yeah, they're that good. helped me with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, congratulations. You nailed your first EPL trivia question. Well done, my friend. Um, before before we wrap up the pod, anybody you want to give a shout out to? Uh, no, 
Not even your wife? Come on. Give, give your wife a shout my out. My wife, my two daughters, Thank Dave, you. Josh, all my buddies back in uh, Denver. There you go. <laughs> of, of, which, of which I am one. So honored, honored to have you on the pod. Yeah, um, thanks, man. It's been, Appreciate been it. It was a good time. Yeah, it's been a fun one. Love chatting football with you as always. So yeah, um, yeah. but hopefully we'll have you on the pod again in the future. And until next time, footy. And I'll be looking forward for that 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. You won't be getting that, my friend. No worries. <laughs>